Good morning, everybody. <clears throat> you may be seated. Um, uh, this is going to be interesting. Um, hey, famous last words, right? Okay. Well, uh, we're going to start with a few announcements here. And technology, great. When you don't need it. But when you need it, it is not available. So, I'm going to have to wing it. Um, all right, let's talk about announcements first, okay? We have, let me get to our website. If you have your phones with you, why don't you go to our website and open up the morning bulletin. Okay. Okay, you know that it's going to be a great day in the Lord when this all happens to you all at one time, right? Okay, are you there? And do you see the weekly bulletin tab? All right. Today is going to be our baptism Sunday. This will be the first time that we've ever done a baptism during the service. Usually we have it on a weekend or a Sunday afternoon, but we're going to do it right here, right now. And I'm going to warn you that if the Lord convicts you and speaks to your heart this morning, and you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior for the first time, you're going to be offered the opportunity to be baptized right on the spot. We, 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 amen. <laughs> we will, uh, got the tub, dunking, no waiting. All right. Um, I was asked to, to teach on the subject of the Holy Spirit. And so next Sunday, we're beginning a class after church on the Holy Spirit. This is what we call our equip class. And it will meet here from 1130 to about 1230, maybe one if it goes long. And uh, you'll be encouraged to bring your lunches with you if you decide you want to participate in that class. But you'll need to sign up online. So you can go to our website and follow the link under the equip tab. 10 days of consecration. Do you guys, anybody participating in that? All right, on Saturday there is a huge prayer gathering at the mall in Washington, D.C. And there are people from all over the world that are participating in this return prayer meeting. It's all about repentance. It's all about praying for our nation and for our churches and for Christians. Consecrations means you're setting yourself aside for this purpose. Uh, so if you want to participate in it, you can go to our, our website and find the information there. And you can go also online, just go to the return, um, type in Google the return and you can follow the links there also. It's just. 10 days of devoted to prayer, worship, and repentance for families and other believers. And they're asking us to fast on some level. Uh, 
That might mean fasting a meal a day. It may be fasting from social media, which I know for some people is harder than fasting from food, right? And then, of course, um, it, it looks a lot of different ways to different people. Um, found it interesting. There was one fast they talk about. I, I don't really think this is a fast, but I think they called it the Baby Ruth fast, the Milky Way fast, right? So this person was fasting by not eating, but when they got hungry, they would eat a Milky Way bar. <laughs> All right, anyway, 10 days of consecration. Woman's Bible study is uh, coming up, was yesterday, wasn't it, guys? The Bible study was yesterday. Who went? Anybody go? Sherry, did you go? Yes, was it worthwhile? Yes. All right, there you go. Hey, you have it from my wife's mouth right there. It's worthwhile. Woman's Bible study. Next one is when? The 3rd of October. All right. This Wednesday, we have a special service. Uh, Jeff Cran. How many of you know Jeff Cran? Yes. Um, from Chosen People's Ministry. And he is going to be teaching on the Feast of Trumpets, which is right now. This is happening right now. It's totally tied in with what's going on on the 26th, this Saturday. So um, Wednesday night from 7 to 8 o'clock here, if you would like to come and be a part of that and learn about the Feast of Trumpets and how it ties into current events, you will be very, very blessed. And this comes back now to the return, September, September. You guys will remember that I always make up my words as I go along. <laughs> September 25th and 26th focuses on prayer and repentance and revival. On the 26th, we're gonna open the church at 6 a.m. so that we can simulcast with what's going on in Washington, D.C. We'll be here till 11, um, 6 to 9. And then there's a break and you can go home and watch the rest of it if you so wish to do so. So wish to do so. It's called redundancy, okay. Friday night, yes, isn't there a prayer time Friday night? I don't see the time here. Five to eight, okay, I do see the time here. And it's prayer for, um, worship and prayer for the next generation, for our children. Yes, okay, good, wonderful. Okay, like I said, I just lost my battery, or it is? When Larry doesn't like what I'm saying, he turns me off. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so that's all I'm going to do for announcements. If I've missed something, please forgive me. But we have a bulletin online. You can look at it for yourself, and you can get caught up into everything that is going on. All right. Let's all stand for the reading of the word. We're going to be in <laughs> All right, thank you. Um, Matthew 28 <clears throat> verses 18 through 20. The reason we stand is so that we can 
now prepare our hearts. We're going to shift gears. We're going to get into the word and we're going to allow God to minister to us. So this is where you can prepare now your mind and your heart to receive from God. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Father, we bow our hearts before you now. The sovereign God. You are our creator and you are our redeemer. And today, Lord, we, we, bapti we baptize in, in obedience to your ordinance that you put forth in your word. And this morning, I ask you reveal to us its significance. There's nothing that you ask us to do that isn't without eternal significance. So open our eyes, help us to understand. And I pray right now, Father, for the salvation of those who are here this morning and who do not know you. They have never, never invited you into their life. They have never made a commitment. I pray, Father, that you'd help them discern that there is a difference from being a spiritual person than a person who was born again. You say we must be born again. So we trust you now that you will do this and, and even more. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. All right, let's have a seat. This morning it's all about baptism. <clears throat> my wife's father was a Baptist ministry, minister, right? And he ministered in a small town up in Kanab, Utah, right? How many of you know where Kanab is? Anybody ever been up to there? Been up to, okay, sure, yes. Yes, sir. Bryce Canyon, right? Beautiful place to be, really gorgeous up there. Well, he passed away when Sherry was seven, and Mom and Sherry and Stephen moved down to the projects over by County Hospital. And while they were living there, Stephen had a radio flyer wagon. How many of you ever had those little red wagons, right? A radio flyer, right? Filled it with water, and then he went around baptizing all the kids. Uh, I don't know if he baptized any animals because the Bible does say to preach the gospel to all creatures. Uh, it would have been interesting to watch him baptize a cat. That would have been cool. <laughs> Mom said, you need to stop that. That's kind of sacrilegious. But I think it was kind of cool. I, you know, that, that's, that's pretty good. You know, Have my baptismal, mobile baptismal. No waiting. I'll go door to door. You won't come to me. I'll come to you. This morning, I want to share a few thoughts about this ordinance of baptism. 
The reason why we baptize people, because it's what Jesus told us to do. We just read that, right, in Matthew 28 19. Are you still there? He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Doing what, guys? That's right, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Notice it says not the names of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but in the name. One God in three persons, and it is, yes, a mystery, but still it's a reality. It's truth. Baptism has been described as an outward expression of an inward reality. Are we okay? Yeah? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that I'm okay. Okay. Baptism has been described as an outward expression of an inward reality. The outward expression is a ceremony of commitment. The inward reality is that commitment. Just like a wedding. A wedding is a ceremony of commitment, right? And then the marriage is the reality of that commitment, which is a good thing because if you had it the other way around, maybe you wouldn't be so fast to commit. (laughs) Just saying. Now in Matthew 28, Jesus commanded baptism and in Acts chapter 2, and let's turn there now, Acts chapter 2, we're going to see the very first baptism in the Bible as far as New Testament baptism goes. Is it just me or am I going in and out? I'm fine. (laughs) Don't be so sure about that. All right. Peter is preaching a sermon. The Holy Spirit has fallen upon the disciples in the upper room. They're all speaking in tongues. And of course, that's a, that was pretty strange. It's nine o'clock in the morning. And they all thought that these people were drunk. And they were making comments like that. And then Peter steps up and he says, no, no, they're not drunk. This is what Joel prophesied that in the last days, God would pour out his Holy Spirit on people. And this is just one of those signs. And then he began to preach a sermon to them, which was related to those signs. And in verse 21, he says, are you looking at it so you know that I'm not lying to you? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then in verse 32, he tells them that God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this, meaning that I and these disciples were all eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then if you look down in verse 40, part of the sermon goes like this. Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all of his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. The word there is skolios. You ever heard that before? It's where we get our word, scoliosis, which means curved or crooked. It is a sideways curve of the spine. It could be very painful and disabling. I don't think it's a stretch to say that our generation is suffering from a sideways curve of the truth. It's painful and disabling our culture and our society. 
It's a perverse turning away from the truth. It's a total rejection of Jesus Christ. Many of us here believe that this nation was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Is there an amen out there? All right. But we've turned from that. We've rejected that as a culture. Now in verse 37, it says that Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And here it is, verse 38. Are you all looking at it? Each of you must repent of your sins. Turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Focus on that word repent. You may think that it simply means to turn from your sin. Turn from the wicked stuff that you're doing. But there's something that has to happen before that can even be accomplished. And that is you have to change your mind. Because that's what the word repent also means, literally. Change your mind. Change my mind about what? Change your mind about who Jesus Christ is. Change your mind. Well, who do some people think that Jesus is? Some, he is a curse word. For some, he's just a political revolutionary that was in the wrong place at the wrong time who couldn't keep his mouth shut. Some think that he was just a good teacher or a wise man. But whatever he was before, the gospel is asking you to change your mind. Who is he? The son of the living God. Matter of fact, he told the Pharisees, I am. I'm God. I am. And then he proved it by coming back to life. He says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. If I lay it down, I can take it up again. I have the power to take it up again. Most of us don't have the power to get up in the morning, <laughs> let alone come back from the dead. But he did, and he did. All right. So now here's an important point I want to, in verse 41 it says, what happened in verse 41? It says what? 3,000 were baptized in that day. We're going to baptize at least four people today. But if 3,000 come in the door, we'll be here for a long time. <laughs> now, here's an important point. They didn't need baptism to be saved, okay? But because they were saved, they were obedient to the ordinance of baptism. Do you understand that? Baptism's not necessary to be saved. But after you are saved, one of the natural results should be that you are obedient to what Jesus is saying to do. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. Now, if I say that to my wife, if you love me, you will obey me. I'm going to get a frying pan upside the head. But my creator, my redeemer, my God, if he's saying that, He's not beating his chest. 
He's saying that this is going to be a natural result if you love me. You will find that the very best thing that you can do is to be obedient to him. He has everything you need to navigate your life with success. And he has everything you need to help you in whatever situation you find yourself in. And a lot of times we get ourselves in situations because we choose to do it our way. Right? Everybody here has got a little Frank Sinatra in them. I did it my way. I wonder what he's saying right now. So, <clears throat> some people see baptism simply as a ritual or a religious ceremony or a traditional observance that needs to be followed. And if that's all you think that baptism is, you're missing the point. There's a whole lot of mo when it comes to baptism. It's more to it than just getting wet. First of all, it speaks to us about our commitment to Jesus Christ. Okay? It's a public declaration of our faith and commitment to Christ. Just like a wedding ceremony where a couple goes public to declare their lifelong commitment to each other by being wedded together. Baptism is the believer's declaration, public declaration, that they have left the world and are wedded to another. Jesus Christ. When a woman gets married, she puts on a ring. Now that ring doesn't make her married. She could be married without a ring, just like you can be saved without being baptized. But what the ring does is serve as a sign that she is married. Are you following this? Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but many times when you see a guy talking to a girl, you might see him checking out her left hand to see if there is a ring on it. That's right. To see if she's already been spoken for and belongs to another. Now, I am certain that if Sherry refuses to wear her ring as she is going out, that would be a little bit of a concern for me. Okay? Um, for a while, I had lost my ring. And it wasn't long when Sherry had noticed it. And she goes, where's your ring? I go, I don't know. Well, did you just take it off? No, I really lost it. And knowing me, she says, well, that's probably true. I found it. The piece of jewelry represents an institution. It represents a covenant that I have made. Like a ring is symbolic of marriage, baptism is a sign of our covenant with God. Okay? So first and foremost, baptism speaks to us about our commitment to Christ. Secondly, baptism speaks to us about forgiveness. A lot of neurosis occurs in the human life because they are just running around with a lot of shame and guilt about the things they have done and even the things that they are doing that is destroying their life or has shipwrecked other people's lives. A lot of shame, a lot of guilt. God offers forgiveness and baptism speaks to us about that. Look at verse 38 again. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Now remember, repent means to what? Change your mind. And it also means to turn from sin to God. 
change your mind about God, turn from your sins, and receive his forgiveness. Genuine repentance not only recognizes Jesus for who he is, but also instinctively knows that evil of sin must be forsaken. You don't want to keep piling on the debt. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you get credit cards to pay off the other credit card that you got, right? And then you pay that credit card off, and then all of a sudden this one's coming due, so you get another credit card. And you tried that game for a while, don't you? Borrowing from this one to pay this one, pay this one. But what ends up happening? Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Ask my father. It's not good. Um, Matthew 18 tells a parable of a servant who begged his king for loan forgiveness. You've ever heard of loan forgiveness? Anybody heard of loan forgiveness? How about you college students? You've ever heard of loan forgiveness, right? All right. Um, I know a, a, a student who has racked up half a million dollars in student loan debt, all right? And she's still in school. Can you imagine trying to pay that off? I know that if I went to the doctor and all of a sudden I, I get a bill for half a million dollars, I'm heading down to the bankruptcy court, okay? Or I'm going to sign a paper where I'll pay you $25 a month for the rest of my life till I pay off the $500,000, which means it ain't getting paid off. Now, this servant was in debt to the tune of 10,000 talents. Talent back in the day was about $458,000 in today's currency. Multiply that by 10,000, his debt was $4.5 billion. Okay, that's a lot of credit card debt, guys. Morally, we have racked up our own $4.5 billion debt. Think about it, just think about it for a second. Think about the things you've said. Think about the lies you've told. Think about the cheating you've done, the moral depravity you've engaged in, the violence, the verbal abuse, the broken promises, the indifference, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, the quarreling, the outburst of anger, and on and on and on. And it just keeps piling up. Now, you might be sitting there saying, well, I've never done any of those things. Think of the pride that's in your heart. You just keep piling it up and piling it up. And by the way, each one of those things I took from Galatians chapter 5. You need debt forgiveness. And it's offered to you today. At the end of this teaching, I promise I'll give you an opportunity to meet with the loan officer. Okay? That you may receive your loan forgiveness. Now, when we're baptized, the ceremony is testimony that we understand this. That it's reached from our head now and to our heart. That I need forgiveness and the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ the shed blood has paid for all of those sins and I am debt free Elvina Hall she said it in a hymn that we all used to sing Jesus paid it all all to him I owe 
Sin had left a crimson stain and he washed it white as snow. All right, thirdly, baptism speaks of a new life that we can have in Christ. New life. When you go under the water, it's representation of Jesus' historical death and burial and our identification. That's our old person. That's our old man. That's our old nature. We put our past to death. We put our sins to death. We put our old lifestyle to death as we are under the water. And as we have our baptisms this morning, for some of them, I'm going to have to keep them there for a while, just so you know. All right. And as you come out of the water, it represents resurrection. And resurrection is new life. All things have passed away. All things become new. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. Just as Jesus rose from the dead, we too rise to a new life. A life that wants to please God. A life that wants to live for God. A life with reordered priorities. The chief of which is now. Instead of just loving myself supremely, I love him supremely with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I love my neighbor as I love myself. That's transforming, guys. Selfishness is washed away. It's buried. Romans 6, 4, it says we died and were buried with Christ, and you can turn there if you like. Romans 6, 4 says we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. That same power that raised Jesus from the death is the power that he gives us to live a new life. Are you experiencing it? Do you want it? Now, again... <clears throat> Excuse me. We see this in an, the analogy of marriage and in performing of a wedding. One of my responsibility is performing weddings, and in every wedding there is something I do all the time. I get to um, the place in this ceremony where I say, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And typically, it's the father who has positioned himself by his daughter who says, I do. And depending upon the relationship, he gingerly lets her go or he shoves her towards <laughs> the pastor. No. But what happens at that point is an exchange takes place. An exchange takes place. He places the hand of his daughter into the hand of the groom. You guys have seen this before, right? Now, I've got bad news for the dad. Because once he says, I do, he's done. He can go sit down. I'm through with him. I have no other conversation with him in the whole ceremony because now he is irrelevant. I know he felt that way before he got up there, but now he really is. Because in that ceremony, the man, the bridegroom, now replaces the father. The two of them, the groom and the bride, they come before me and I will go through the wedding vows. 
They will exchange the rings and then I will close the ceremony by saying, I now pronounce you man and wife, right? And then standing before us in the audience is a new couple, a new life. The young lady has been transformed because she has a new identity now. When she came into the building, she was Jane somebody, but once she has been presented by her father, she comes under a new name and enters into a new relationship with a new identity to live a new life. And that's baptism. It's a word picture that says, I am married now to the Son of God. I'm wearing his ring now. I have a new name, a new identity, and a new life. And guess what? You get a wedding gift. Isn't that the cool part of weddings? It's not the why most people get married. It's just for the gifts. Acts 2.38, look at verse 38 in Acts chapter 2. At the very end of that whole verse, it says, Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's a gift. When you think of the old life characterized by the domination of the flesh, when you were following the desires of your sinful nature, the results were clear. That living that sort of life was not going to really get you into the kingdom of God. Plus, it's creating a whole lot of misery for you and those around you. But the gift of the Spirit brings with it the fruit of the Spirit. A life dominated by the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. And guys, that's just the beginning. That's just the down payment. That's just the character development on the inside. There comes with it a lot of power, too, and a lot of glory, too. And there's one more thing. I don't have this in my notes because I really wasn't planning on getting into it, but I think I should. There's one more thing that baptism represents here, and that's deliverance deliverance. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. He's talking about Moses and all of the children of Israel that were delivered out of Egypt and passed through the Red Sea. And what happened when the Red Sea closed back up? You guys know the story that I'm talking about? When the Red Sea closed back up, Pharaoh and his army was washed away. Right? That's what baptism does. It means you are delivered from that which was keeping you in bondage. I have here a text I got this morning from our dear friend Marilyn. You guys know Marilyn Bond? Most of you do. She is the principal at Tomahawk Elementary, which is a Title I school. Over 80% of the kids there live under the poverty level, but yet she is running an A-plus school. She's doing a job, and she loves the Lord, and she's bold, too. 
but her, her mother is in hospice. Matter of fact, her mother's in a coma. And, and by all rights, she should have already passed on. And she was kind of wondering why she hadn't passed on yet. And then last night, something happened that told her why. This is what she writes. Dear friend of mine that I have been praying for for a very long time, who would come to my house on a regular basis, came with her sister to bring us dinner. She's with her sister, Jenny, in the house, taking care of their mom. During that time, Jenny and I were asking them if they knew the Lord. That's what Marilyn does. The older sister, Lucy, said yes, and we asked her how and when she met Jesus. And she said, oh, no, I just listened to Psalm 91 on the way to work. When they were getting ready to leave, Jenny asked me to pray over them. We made a circle, held hands, and I started to pray for Lucy for an anointing of the Holy Spirit. I prayed for her family and for her life to be filled with Christ that she would come to know him. As Soon as I started praying for her, I noticed that she started shaking badly to the point where her foot was kicking and just clearly being affected by my prayers. As I continued to pray, asking for her family, for her job, and for her husband, and most importantly, that she would have a close relationship with God and with her Savior, and that God would come into her heart and be the Lord of her life, it was clear by then she was shaking horribly all over the place. She ended up on the floor. Jenny and I were praying over here and just saying, say the name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. And she kept saying no and yelling at him, yelling at Jesus. I kept saying, the blood of Jesus saves you. The blood of Jesus saves you. And she began convulsing on the floor. She would yell things like, he's coming back, he's coming back. Then she started calming down and she would yell, he's coming back, he's coming back. And then we would continue to call on the Lord. I was praying, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And she was yelling that he cannot come back, he is not welcome here. You are Jesus, you are his girl, no way he's not coming back. And Jenny was in the meantime also praying at the same time, just asking her to call on Jesus. And finally, you could see her body relaxing, and she began to say, Jesus, 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 quietly. And her body began to release and relax and just started crying softly. I saw this for the first time in my life, someone being released from a demon. I have never in my life experienced anything of the kind. And in that moment that I was looking down at her, almost in a shock, feeling that this time, or that this was not of me, everything that happened on behalf of Lucy was said in the spirit. And after that, we prayed with Amy while Lucy was relaxing on the floor. Then both Amy and Lucy committed their lives to Jesus Christ, inviting them in. You gotta say, yeah, do that. She says, it was a miraculous thing that happened yesterday. I believe that is why my mother was still alive and she is still alive today because someone else is coming over.
Are you want, anybody want to go to Maryland's house today? <laughs> Deliverance, guys. True, actual, real, tangible deliverance is what is offered to you. Don't we sing that song? I was asking Natalie about it. Um, oh, where did I put the lyrics? Well, Natalie, do you know the, she's not even here, okay. <laughs> bring all your failures, bring all your addictions. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with open arms. Can you see his open arms? And that's what I'm asking you this morning. Do you see it? I know what some of you guys are dealing with. I know some of you are dealing with some heavy depression. I know some of you are dealing with some heavy relationship problems. You're in bondage. I know some of you have some health issues that is just gripping you with fear. You're in bondage to that. I know that some of you have such a great concern for your loved ones and you don't know if they're saved or not. And that's just holding you in fear. I know some young people who are so angry that they want to take their life. Bring all your favors, bring all your addictions, come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Can you see his open arms? All right, here we go. This is what I'm going to share with you right before we do this now. If you haven't noticed or realized, let me say it straight. Baptism is an important aspect of your walk with God. It's not just a ritual that needs to be followed. It's a declaration to the world and to the spiritual realm that says, I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm taking on his name now. I'm going to love him and serve him all the days of my life. I'm going to move forward in the name of Jesus and I am not looking back at my past, at the sins and the habits that have kept me in bondage. I am free. Now, some of you here today have been baptized, but you're still walking in defeat. Because you have a new identity in Christ, but you haven't changed your name. You know what I'm saying? You're living like you and he are actually two separate people, just sort of like roommates, but you're not one. And I would ask you, I'll give you the Dr. Phil, how's it working for you? I don't know when you were baptized, but I want to encourage you this morning to reaffirm your baptism within your own heart. I'm not saying come and get rebaptized. I'm saying reaffirm the meaning of baptism as I've just taught it to you within your own hearts. I pray that you'd make some of these truths and receive them by faith and make them a reality in your heart. You see, here, when you're baptized, it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. How many of you know that? It simply means you acknowledge that you are perfectly forgiven and perfectly loved and that Jesus paid that price for every sin you've ever done, are doing, or ever will do. And that he is the one who went to the cross and rose from the dead, conquering sin and death, 
is now living inside of you. So just repent and reaffirm your baptism in your own heart. And for those of you who are here this morning who need debt forgiveness, okay, this is the opportunity to meet with the loan officer. Okay, and I don't really want to make light of this because he's not a loan officer. He's your creator. He's your redeemer. He is the lover of your soul. So let me ask you, do you want to know and come into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you want to experience the power in knowing God? Not in theory, not in fanciful thinking, not in religious hocus pocus. When Jesus comes into your life, he's gonna help you cross the greatest bridge you'll ever cross, the bridge from here to here. By a simple prayer, you can ask Jesus to come into your life to be your savior and to experience his transforming power. Let's all bow our heads right now. If I have just spoken to your heart, you're sitting here this morning, you do not have a personal relationship with him. This is your time. And if you harden your heart, then your heart's going to get hard. And it's going to be harder next time to come. The Spirit is speaking to you now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And here, here's the prayer. And just say it to yourself. Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me. I need your forgiveness. I need your salvation. I repent of my sins. Lord Jesus, enter into my heart. Change me and fill me with your presence. And help me to follow you. receive you this moment and commit my life to you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says, whosoever calls upon the Lord shall be saved. If you said that prayer and you meant it in your heart, and I'm going to tell you right now that you are in the family of God, you are born again. And if you pray that prayer and you believe, then let me say to you, as Philip said to the Ethiopian, or the Ethiopian said to Philip, here's water. What hinders you from being baptized? We can do it right now. Natalie, why don't you guys come on up? We have some extra swim shorts and t-shirts and all that sort of a thing that if you want to be baptized today 
I would invite you to come forward and do it. At the very least, would you please let us know that you've made a decision to follow Christ so that we can come alongside you and help you with this new journey in getting to know him better and better. Okay, so let's all stand. And for those who are going to be baptized and for those who want to be baptized, meet me back in the youth room right now. Why don't you go on back there and I'll speak to you and we will prepare for baptism while the rest of you worship, okay? Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Well, we at least got four, amen?